You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. Welcome back to the Clean Sweep Podcast, which is Elite Sports New York's Brooklyn Nets Podcast. This is your host, Matt Brooks. I am here with my co-host, as always, Danny Small, and we are excited to bring on our first special guest, Nolan Jensen. How we doing? How are things looking for from uh, Vancouver? It's nice to get a West Coast representative on here outside of myself. Um, what's new? How are things? First off, I'd like to thank you guys for having me on the show big fan here um things are going well you know the weekend started off a little rough you know a little rocky on saturday the game against toronto wasn't exactly ideal but second half of the back-to-back against philadelphia the nets took care of business and you know all smiles on my end love to hear it love to hear it danny what's new with you how are things how are the knicks what's 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 good with the uh new the new coaching they're they're kind of turning around a little bit you know playing a little better i mean five games to me is not big enough sample size so we'll see i'm going into the game tomorrow uh which tuesday for the hawks so um connection to the brooklyn nets or i guess not brooklyn nets but back when they were in the new jersey nets vince carter could be his last game at msg possibly potentially so one of those interesting things um and when i was growing up he was you know vince carter was mr new jersey net you know just vince sanity when they got him even though you know obviously they're their uh, championship teams from a couple years earlier were great too, but um, yeah, I'm going off on a tangent now, just on Vince Carter. But no, uh, it's all right. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's 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 what's going on in my Knicks world right now. To, I feel like it's like kind of like a better portion of the season for you. Like there's like at least something to like to root for, like storyline wise. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's always there's always something going on. Even even bad teams, you know, there's always some kind of storyline. And you know, the Knicks are obviously, even when they're bad, they're, they they the, the headlines write themselves. So fair, um, fair. You know, they keep things interesting at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I I always like when teams like go through like like the Nets right now are going through this thing with like different rotational things. So I kind of like when you can like pivot off that and be like, oh. Look at how different this team is now. Like that's always kind of a fun storyline, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if you've done it yet, but <laughs> I always look forward. To uh, yeah, things. some like similar things like that. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always something to write. There's always something to figure out. Um, that's interesting. All right, uh, I wanted to let Nolan get his shine on. I feel like podcasts, whenever they have guests on, they always let them talk at the end about what they do creatively which I don't feel like is fair to the guests. We're going to get into a whole bunch of net stuff. I just want to give Nolan two minutes to talk about the type of coverage he provides, the type of stuff that he likes to write, because I think long-term for me, at least, I want to be able to provide like a platform where other uh, sports 
for lack of a better term, like figures, writers, whatever it is, I, I wanted to give them that shine at the beginning just to be, you know, kind of an alternative resource for that. So Nolan, um, talk to us about what your season is. I know you're doing stuff at Nets Republic. Um, I love reading your stuff. I, I've been a huge Nolan Jensen stan for a really long time, and I'm not just saying that to that. gas you up on a podcast. I really, like, I came across you... I guess it was probably around June-ish, maybe, uh, before that. I, mm-hmm. When did you do the Kyrie Irving um, MVP odds thing for Nothing But Nets? What, oh, what? I guess at this point, I don't really want to be known as the guy that said, hey, Kyrie Irving could win the MVP given the fact that he's missed now. <laughs> yeah, let, let, me just bring up, let me just bring up that take. What an intro by Matt Brooks. Yeah. For <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, you know, the, the mindset back then when I wrote that article was, hey, okay. We obviously know what transpired in Boston. It wasn't great. Um, this is the first team that Kyrie Irving has got to choose. You know, it's his hometown. He grew up in Orange County, I believe. He's a huge New Jersey Net fan growing up. I thought he was going to have a massive chip on his shoulder. I didn't see that chip end up being a shoulder impingement injury. That's now silent him oh, for the wow. last 14 games. Very mm-hmm. slick. <laughs> but um, you know what? I thought it hit, hey. If he can put up numbers comparable to what he did last year and it translates to the Brooklyn Nets winning games, there's an outside opportunity. At 30 to 1, it seemed like a good idea to put $20 down. I, I love I, it. I can, definitely, I can buy that. You, you're buying low on like a guy who could you know, pay off wealth. I, I, I think that's still a good take. Yeah, that I, was, yeah. yeah exactly. That was, that was the mindset going in. It's like, hey, you know what? Turn around, you can win yourself six hundred or five hundred or eighty dollars because you're putting twenty dollars down. But obviously, it hasn't worked out the way I intended it to. But hey, what can you do? It, for a week, it looked really good. In, in your defense, like yeah. he was the, like, the week one MVP. <laughs> oh, opening night, I was like, yeah. hey, let me plug this. I look yeah. like a genius. Fifty <laughs> points, yeah. <laughs> the shameless Twitter share. So, guys, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard about me, but kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> oh, that's my whole brand. Just ramming things down on Twitter. Oh, yeah. You know, you, um, you, you got to tell people, hey, I told you so. Like, I know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? So. That's what Twitter is. It's like it's like Instagram, but like slightly less vain, but also pretty vain. As exactly. Well. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, you do a lot of you. Uh, I've always admired. Nolan is incredible with his, like, sentence structure um he's the way he puts um pieces together is just like there you can report the stats the way you want to but there are people that stand out in the way that they report things and they put things creatively whether it be like comparing things to things that you never think of like i so my one of my favorite things that you did was like you compared uh, a recent loss to like slamming heideken bottles and (laughs) getting upset like that was a very vivid uh, picture, which, so I've always liked that about you. So I, I want you to talk a little bit about like your, your, uh, I guess your like perspective and like how you kind of like put things together and then we'll actually get into the game stuff. Cause I know that that's probably what people are tuning in for, but give t- one minute, Ooh. describe who you are as a writer. Oh, that's a deep dive. Just put me on the spot. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> actually, this is the first year I started writing. I always wanted to write. I'm 24 years old. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So it's kind of, I guess in a sense, a little weird that I'm writing about the Brooklyn Nets, you know, on the other side of the continent. But this is a team that I've gravitated to. And uh, Danny was talking about this earlier with the Vince Carter era in New Jersey. Um, Obviously, when I was five years old, we lost the Vancouver Grizzlies after we went 101 and 359 in six seasons, which, you know, is just like absolutely horrible. 
Uh, I didn't follow them to Memphis. I was never a huge Seattle. They were the Supersonics at the time guy. And I really had this irrational hatred, to be honest with you, with the Toronto Raptors because the way that I viewed them, like, hey, they survived and we did it. This is They got this franchise cornerstone of Vince Carter. Steve Francis wouldn't even play a game here. So when he ended up, you know, it, it, it's no real way to be subtle or sugarcoat. This kind of screwing them back in 2004. And then he joined the New Jersey Nets with Jason Kidd. Richard Jefferson, uh, Kmart, and all those boys, they became a favorite of mine and have kind of followed them since. And when an opportunity arose for me to write about them last June, I uh, I took it and I've been on that wave ever since. And I've, I've really enjoyed the community. I love Ned's Twitter. I love the interaction. And it's honestly been one of the better decisions I think I've made in my life thus far. I love that. You are unabashedly nice and canadian already i love it yeah so trailer. <laughs> you've lived up to every stereotype <laughs> so far no vanity in that i love it um that's uh that's just that's a great nets like origin story right there. yeah it is yeah. that's that's re- that's really that's a really good uh good origin story i like the you know the obviously the grizzlies back then like man i i I feel for you losing a team mm-hmm. like that, but uh, I'm glad it led you to the Nets now. Yeah, it ended up working. It ended up uh, working out, and when you only win 20 games a year, it's kind of it's not the funnest thing to uh, cheer for a team like that. Yeah, so. yeah. I feel you. I, I root for the Jets, so <laughs> I, I feel you. Oh man, this is this is Danny's Jets therapy. Yeah, session. no, this that was <laughs> when the we first, the first mention of it. <laughs> when we the, those are all the things that aren't caught on the recordings is. Danny's, and it's been a couple of random shout outs too. Is Danny's uh, Jets yeah, hour? I, should, I go to <laughs> for sure. For I sure. know, I know it's not a uh, NFL podcast, but uh, what are your, uh, I guess, quick thoughts on Adam Gase? You think he's going to uh, make it to year two? Like, what's the uh, what's your? Uh, I mean, I I don't think he really deserves it. I wasn't that high on him when they hired him. I wanted to give him a chance, but I mean, they just I don't know. I, I he might make it, he might not. I'm I'm like cold on him. I'm not gonna like sit here and say like he's the worst coach ever, he's awful, he's terrible. But I'm just I'm very cold on him right now. We still we got Darnold though. Darnold is gonna be good. He's gonna be legit. I'm does, I'm confident in him. Does Robbie like him? I trust any football stuff through Robbie. Yeah, Robbie's definitely he's definitely my go to guy who I listen to. He's you know, a football genius related, yeah. pretty much. But um yeah. he he's generally gives coaches like a wide berth I, I would say or at least he's you know he he doesn't blame Gates for like anything and everything you know like he he blames Gates for things that are his fault Robbie by the way is the the owner of ESNY which is really the reason I think all of yeah, us are yeah. together is that we've all yeah. We've yeah. intersected for at least at least two months all of us have intersected at yeah. ESNY and uh yeah so that's kind of what brings us together uh so let's let's do some net stuff if we don't mind if you don't mind me. <laughs> yeah, no, we're good. We're good on the jet stuff. Um, I have no net jet stuff to contribute on. Um, no, we're good on that anyway. Let's do the Raptors game. Uh, I just finished watching it, and I want to hear because I I've had my little thoughts on it. I think that watching it two days after kind of took the emotional component out of it. Mm-hmm. Like I already know that they. I actually, from everything that I read on Twitter, which is like the worst, I think Twitter is the best and the worst way to watch a basketball game, <laughs> like the next day, because you just expect it to be like a like fifty point blowout, because you're like, oh man, 
Kenny Hackett's in time for him to go. Oh man, this guy like <laughs> like you read every bad take and then every good take on the other side of it. So in the end, I actually thought it was kind of a little bit more of a competitive game. But um, I want to ask you, Nolan, you watched this right. live, obviously. Uh, what was your what did you think the Nets did well? Let's keep it positive. From My immediate takeaway, what I really thought they did well is they played with a lot of grit. That you know they refused to die. They 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 really played a competitive game. They they hung in there. You could clearly tell. It's games like that that really illustrate that hey, it turns out this team is you know not better off without uh, Kyrie Irving or Karis Levert. Because every time the Raptors would balloon it to a double-digit lead, the Nets would fight back, but they couldn't really get over that six-point hump to make the game, you know, just that much more competitive. Um, the Raptors opened up nine of ten from three. Um, Pascal Siakam was going buck, and they still kept it within five points at halftime, I believe, and it didn't really get out of hand until the crunch time in the fourth quarter. It, it, again, it was just one of those games. And I know it sounds like a lazy take, but you just you really are shorthanded. You're missing Karis Levert. You're missing Kyrie Irving. You need that extra, you know, oomph. And they just obviously didn't have that. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give you a lazy take. I thought that the Raptors. I like the Raptors. I think they're amazing mm-hmm. defensively. There's a possession in the third quarter where they had. I don't remember who. It, oh, it was they had. I think it ended up being a Dinwiddie like. 29 foot three-pointer or 28 or something like that i'm sure the nba stats library has that uh all ready to go but it really happened from the 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 raptors switching on the fly they like they basically i think that lowry at the top of the key pointed to ananobi and said okay can you go guard whoever it was i'm assuming it was garrett temple or one of the net spacers and then lowry swung off and and guarded uh dinwiddie who had to end up pulling a 28 footer I, I thought they were outstanding defensively. Offensively, I mean, they as you said, they didn't no. miss in the first quarter, and I think it just gave them enough of a uh, like a cushion. That's the type of team like they're going to take advantage of having a lead. Um, and then, I mean, I'm looking through numbers right now. Siakam this year is shooting 32.1% from mid-range. I don't know if he missed from mid-range. It was like the dude would look like Kevin Durant out there. <laughs> I was like, that was happening. I was like, I didn't know he advanced this much as a mid-range shooter this year where he just doesn't miss from, you know, 15 to, to 21 feet out. And that kind of kept them afloat. He just sort of, they left him open from the mid-range because that's kind of yeah. what they like to do as, a, as a, a defensive system. And he made those shots. I didn't think it was that bad had... of a loss. There are plenty of bad losses this year. Uh, the Hornets loss was really bad. That was not yeah, that bad again, of a like loss. Yeah, again, like you said, the Hornets game, the Heat game was a horrible loss. Um, all the way back to the beginning of the year, the Grizzlies game with Jay Crowder yeah. uh, trailing for that three. That was a horrible loss. That the one Pistons, was really tough. The Pistons mm. loss. That was horrendous. Yeah, I think I think for sure. I mean, there's been – even to Wednesday, like we said, you know, Charlotte was a worse loss. This one didn't feel as bad. I mean, they were, you know, they were fighting uphill the whole time, and they really never quit until, like, you know, the end they got kind of smoked. Um, and like that, like Nolan said, the crunch time there. But I mean, again, a game like that where they don't shoot well at all from three. I mean, they shot twenty six percent. Garrett Temple was two for fourteen. Joe Harris one for yeah. six. I mean, some of their key guys didn't really shoot well, and they, you know, they didn't go away. But I think going back to what Nolan said earlier, with they really are missing some guys. These are the games that you see. They're really, you know, they're going to struggle to beat these kind of upper tier teams like the Raptors. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, no, they turned it around against Philly, but they didn't have Embiid. So I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but I think after, yeah, after the loss to Toronto, uh, they're 0-4 on the road against teams with winning records. So they're still not quite there at that level with some of the top teams in the East. Um, but there's, you know, they're, they're fighting. They're, you, you have to like what you see from them pretty much, you know, on a nightly basis. Uh, I'm kind of erasing that Charlotte game from my memory uh, as stop. much as I can. But uh, I think just really when it all comes down to it, that Philly win just helps make everything feel a little bit easier to take. Yeah. Um, I, that's, a good, that's a good nugget you just kind of laid there. The 0-4 against teams above 500 on the road. That was a very – stats and research over here. Uh, that was <laughs> – man. That was stats yeah. and research. That was uh, hat tip Ian Harrison of the Associated Press. <laughs> Okay, he, I, he had that stat. I think that's on. Uh, I think that's audibly. You can hear me go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that. I was impressed with that one too. I'm like, oh, yeah, I no, I, I, I <laughs> literally was. I had the box score open, and then the recap was open, and that was like one of the first things that caught my eye in the nice. recap. Nice. So good job, good job by Ian, Ian Harrison. Yeah, on that big one. ups, big ups, Ian. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I said the same thing when I saw it. I was like, ooh, that's kind of, that's interesting. I didn't. That's a didn't juicy one. That. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Just dropping that little factoid on you. Um, What I've noticed about the Nets team is, yes, they're not shooting the three ball well. Uh, Garrett Temple, who I love, is shooting anywhere between – I did, like, a chronological order of what he's shooting, like, because NBA stats, you can sort of, like, uh, I guess, like, sort it by how many games back. He's anywhere between, depending on how many games back you go, like, 30 to 33%. In terms of shooting from deep, Joe Harris, as we all know, is in a little bit of a slump. There's the and I, I think Nolan, you did a good tweet about this today, right? About uh about how they've like transformed their game into to being like a, a points in the paint team. They've basically leveraged a system of like and I I, I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday. I I wanted I I really want to put this into something, but they've there was a bunch of like preseason stuff from Kenny Atkinson about them being a team with a really, really strong center rotation, and that's actually their strongest point of position. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see that a little bit now. Not so much on like, oh, we're gonna like be like a old school post up type of team, but we just miss shots, and these guys clean up literally everything mm-hmm. for 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 what we're doing. And that's kind of what their team has transformed into a lot right. of ways. And then they have their downhill guys. Um, well, they got uh, two just excellent role men in the pick and roll uh, right now. DeAndre Jordan sitting in the 85. Sorry, 85, 85th percentile, while Jared Allen is, is sitting in the 80th percentile as Roman in the pick and roll. Um, both of them are averaging double-doubles this month, and I know you mentioned Joe Harris struggling, and I also feel like he has been struggling. But the funny thing is that this month he's still shooting 42% from three, which I guess for Joe Harris that is struggling because we're used to just absolutely absurd efficiency, and he's had a few off games. But, yeah, back to um, what you were just uh, alluding to is this was a team at the beginning of the year that really lived and died by the three ball. And now they're actually torturing teams in the paint, like Denver a week and a bit ago, and now Philadelphia on Sunday, where they just absolutely dominated the paint. And you have to give credit to not just Jared Allen, who's been playing absolutely fantastic, is also DeAndre Jordan, who's someone I kind of want to give a public apology to because I was really hard on him at the beginning of the year. But he's looking really spry. Like, he has his legs under him. He's looking 26 lately. He's been fantastic. That dunk that he nearly had? 
I was oh, like, yeah. "What the hell is going on?" Oh my god! Oh yeah. god! I was like, "That one, my that goodness. one would have been that one would have been ten times better than the Dinwiddie one." The Dinwiddie it would have been was really good, better than the Brandon Knight one. That that one was yeah. He he took off from. I mean, I didn't know DeAndre still had that in him. I didn't know he like thought like that anymore. I figured just at a point you're like, "Yeah, nah, I'm 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 good off that." He's just and, yeah, yelling. I, I, I didn't know if it was the camera angle that um, got the dunk on, but it looked like it was terrifying. All of a sudden, here's a seven foot, like 200, I think it's like 250, 260 pound man, just absolutely flying through the air. It was, it was, it was magnificent to watch, but it was also terrifying. Yeah, he, I would be terrified of all things DeAndre Jordan. He also has his socks pulled up a really, really high amount, which makes him look even taller. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird. This is so. This is what it's like to watch basketball with me, is I notice weird things on the basketball floor i was watching basketball tonight and i was like i feel like what makes luke Kennard so good is that he looks surprised every time he's playing basketball like deandre jordan has this thing where he pulls his socks super high it makes him look two inches taller so it's my Analysis. theory i think so i think like, my favorite deandre jordan thing right now is the uh when he has an assist he picks up the dime and puts oh, it in, puts it oh in that's nice I, I i like that one I, I gotta try and steal that i have one. a joe harris nugget for why he's shooting 40 percent from the floor Ooh. Uh, in his last seven games, I love these very vague samples that I, I tend to pull. In his last seven games, he has made 15 of his 25 shots off of drives, which is a 60% field goal percentage, mm-hmm. which is pretty damn good. He was in the like eight, like 35 to 40% range at the beginning of the season. Niche stats more and Matt than, More right than a there. shooter. More than a shooter. <laughs> I know. It's, just, it's it's almost to the point where I'm getting tired of saying it, but I think everyone's starting to catch on. I know obviously front office front offices are in scouting reports, but now the fans are like, oh, this guy can actually do a lot of things when he puts the ball on the floor. He's missed the right decision yep. off the catch. Me and me and uh Danny talked about this at the beginning of the year. I was like, I feel like the Joe Harris thing is like oversaturated now. Like I want to be the opposite Joe <laughs> yeah. Harris guy. Like yeah. criticize Joe Harris. <laughs> That's yeah. We almost we almost pivoted from being uh, like we love Joe Harris podcast to a like anti Harris podcast. That was we were we were we were we were workshopping that idea. Yeah, I don't. Like, how about you shoot a mid range, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I really do like when he shoots from mid range. By the way, he had a couple pull up eighteen footers, and I was like, I like this. Like, can we get a lot of this? I just want Joe Harris to take 25 shots a game. That's pretty much where I want. Oh, no. I, I, I th- I th- yeah, I think our, our, our offense would be just absolutely efficient if Joe Harris were to just shoot all of the shots. <laughs> um, all right. Let's pivot a little bit. What did the Nets not do well in that Toronto game? Definitely. Many things. Definitely. And this is really in the first quarter is defend the perimeter. And this is something that the team has struggled with a lot, especially at the beginning of the year. They've kind of turned it around as of late. Um, it was a really sloppy game. Um, but you also have to take into consideration that Kenny was, you know, playing around with the rotations a bit. It was a work in progress in that Toronto game, and obviously it worked a lot better in against Philadelphia. Um, the three-point shot, it just wasn't there. Like you said, Danny, Garrett Temple shot 2 of 14, which is – even though he's not an elite three-point shooter, that's kind of uncharacteristically bad. Uh, Joe Harris didn't have it. Um, I I don't remember, but I, I don't believe Torian Prince had an absolutely fantastic game, and Jared Allen didn't have a fantastic game. It was just one of those nights where, you know what, like we don't have it. Let's um, get ready for the next contest tomorrow night against Philly. 
Yeah, I felt like I I agree. Like a lot of their like Jared Allen just hasn't looked great in in a week, which I'm probably not allowed to say. Here I go pivoting <laughs> off of somebody that I <laughs> was all over at the beginning of the year, <laughs> right when the right when the stock market goes high on him. Um, I I actually thought that their issue was I we like cr- criticizing their bench is like you know it's 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 easy pickings, but I actually thought defensively their bench looked horrific there was a possession in, in transition and you literally saw deandre jordan um before the shot went up it was a kyle lowry like wide open three he pointed to kurooks and teo pinson and basically was like go to your spots and then when they didn't go there he grabbed the ball and like slammed it on the floor which is like the ultimate vet like you guys are mm-hmm. what are you guys doing I, it's like one of my i love that it's like the most pure basketball emotion because i think we've all done that in our various levels of basketball success, just taking the ball and just oh, yeah. slammed it on the floor out of frustration. So, um, I, 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 that, I thought their bench honestly really killed them defensively that game. I, that was my big takeaway for what they didn't do well. Danny, what say you? I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about the turnovers. Uh, I think Nolan brought up a good point with that first quarter, kind of letting them go wild with shooting. Um, but I think the reason why they didn't ever get over that hump was probably just they just didn't take care of the ball well enough kind of all mm-hmm. game. Um, 20 turnovers against just 24 assists isn't great. And then you look on the other side, Toronto had only 11 turnovers – or, yeah, 11 turnovers to 21 assists. So it's like the team, you know, that just took care of the ball a little bit better, um, was a little more careful with it ended up winning by, you know, they won by eight points, but they just, you know, they controlled the game pretty much the whole time. Uh, every time the Nets went on a little run, they would repel them. Uh, and when you're turning the ball over that much, it's just hard to uh, to finally get over that hump. The Nets really had no business being in that game, I thought. Like, it was, it was absolutely shocking to me that they were only down five at half and that they were keeping it competitive in the third quarter. I, it, was, it, was, it was just a really strange game, in my opinion. And it's weird because, like, the fact that they shouldn't have been in the game makes me feel better because it's like, oh, well, they, you know, yeah. they, they kind of hung around for a little while. Like, it makes me feel better that they were a little gritty, even though they, you know, they didn't look great in terms of, you know, actually playing basketball. But they kind of had showed some heart, showed some fight. I can live with exactly. that. Exactly. Do you guys want to pivot to the Philly game? Let's get it. Get a little bit. All right. I'm ready. Um, yeah. Who wants to be overly positive first? Matt, you seem like you're the one that wants to do it. You hop I, in I actually first. don't. <laughs> Is that I you? Really? Have t- no, no, no I, I haven't gone through like I I watched the game, but I haven't done like a full uh, diagnosis of how the game right. went. I uh, my biggest takeaway was I just don't like watching Philly still, even without Embiid. I, I liked him for the first twelve minutes, and I was like, ah, this team still sucks to watch. I just so I I want to hear one of you guys get into what you guys thought the Nets did well. And or the Sixers didn't do well. Well, it, it's I think you, it's a combination. You do have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, hey, they didn't have Joel Embiid, but I was really impressed with uh, how the Nets approached this game. It's that yeah, you know what? They don't have Embiid, so we're going to attack the paint, and they did just that. They absolutely dominated the paint all game long. Uh, DeAndre Jordan had an absolutely fantastic game. <clears throat> it was a type of game where. It's like, okay, yeah, that is why they brought you on as that security blanket in case Jared Allen's having difficulty with the, you know, physicality 
I want to say, of the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's not a knock on Jared Allen either because as of late, he's been playing, you know, a lot meaner with the more aggression, more chip on his shoulder. But DeAndre Jordan really showcased his worth that game. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, can't really say um, anything bad about him as of late either. He's got seven assists this month. He's got three games with 11 or more since Kyrie went down. He was doing a great job. Uh, Joe was creating off the dribble. He went two or four from deep. Um, it was it was a really good team win. I felt really great about it. It was, and it, and and I also want to bring up in the beginning of the uh, second half in the third quarter there, I thought Philadelphia was going to go on a miniature run. I'm like, oh god, here we go again. This is a classic Nets breakdown that we've seen, you know, just so many times this season. And they brought it down within. Uh, single digits and the Nets ended up fighting back and ballooning the lead back up to double and held it for the rest of the second half. So I, nothing really bad on my end to say about it, to be honest with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I think I'm going to ask you, I'm putting you on the spot. Is this the ideal Spencer Dinwiddie situation? Ooh. Um, you know what? I was looking at some on off numbers. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, Jared Allen are up there with really the best starting lineups in the league right now. Their net rating is plus 6.5 through 100 possessions. They've played the fourth most minutes out of any lineup in the NBA. They're, they're clicking right now on all cylinders. So it, it, it does. It brings up a it's – a, it's obviously a good situation to be in if you're Kenny Atkinson because he has to figure out, okay, how do I implement Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert back into – the rotation, do I put Spence back on the bench? Do I team him up with Karras? Do I put Spencer in the starting rotation as a two? And then that opens up a whole can of worms that you guys have talked about in previous podcasts. And I've talked about, it's like, how do you figure out this rotation? So again, good problem to have, but like it does get a little uh, sketchy and complicated. Yeah, I wanted to ask it early. It's like a catch-22. Because that's been my latest fear. I'm like, all right, so Spencer Dinwiddie, as everything run through him, he sort of he shoots in like the the low forty percent mm-hmm. range, but he he gets his kind of like digs his team out of holes. I'm inter- I just want to see what he looks like on like a a big you know a big championship team. I'm, I'm really interested to see it because I think that it's really easy to get caught up in the moment. I, he's been unbelievable. Um, I don't want to take away from anything that he's done. That's why I asked that. I'm like I want to I want to put people on the spot a little bit because I I think that the underlying issue for them right now is that they've gotten all these individual stints of guys looking amazing whether that be Karras last year uh Kyrie at the beginning of the year now Spencer Dinwiddie uh, you could even include Russell at the beginning of uh the start of this year this calendar year so I'm just I I just want to see where other people are at because it's it's a big thing on my mind right now but um we'll we'll pivot off of that uh I'll, maybe we get in that a little bit later uh, Danny, what'd you think in terms of game notes? Would you see? The team? Uh, you see? Nolan, Nolan touched on it a little bit, but just the, you know, the fact that after they're coming off a loss the very next night, you know, Sixers had a, had a night off, but the Nets, they get that early lead and they just build it up, build it up. There was a little moment there. Like Nolan said, a little moment where you thought maybe Philly was going to make that second half comeback, but then, you know, all of a sudden Brooklyn just turned it on, got a huge lead and, fourth quarter i mean they really coasted pretty much the whole time um and you know as like as brett brown would say spencer dinwiddie was the adult in the room 
Uh, he always used to love saying that about Jimmy Butler. In his but, accent, uh, it, it yeah, always yeah, yeah. yeah it, the adult in the room, James <laughs> Butler. <laughs> Even though Jimmy Butler's name isn't James, <laughs> he used to call him James Butler. But um, for me, Dinwiddie, I know it took him 21 shots to get 24 points, but he's still kind of like just very comfortable in that role of you know being the go-to guy, needing to take those tough shots. Uh, you can't really, you can't say enough about what he's doing. Um, I'm not even sure if I, I if they even want to answer your question about him. You know, is this the perfect role for for him? Because again, I don't know. It's it's just a weird situation where you're bringing these guys back with Dinwiddie playing so well. Uh, but at least for the time being, it's it's fun to watch Dinwiddie kind of be the alpha dog and the lead dog that uh, he's really he is suited for. But how long can you know? he actually will a team to these wins for um, obviously you need Kyrie back for the long haul for that kind of right. thing. Um, let's get into, I, I, I don't have much to add. Honestly, you guys crushed that. Uh, DJ looked weirdly refreshed for somebody who is I, I ostensibly looked washed at the beginning of the year and last year. And then uh, was a monster on the boards. I, I, it, it was, he was, I honestly thought he was there if not their best player, because um, I I think that that does fall on the shoulders of Dinwiddie. Say what you want about his efficiencies and um, just s- some of the shots he takes, but he's com- he's been the guy that they've needed him to be. Uh, but I, I I thought that DJ was right there in the mix of like just being mm-hmm. all over the place, like on on really every part of the floor, whether that be passing, setting screens, uh, rolling hard, and opening up ground for other players uh defense rebounding he was just everything they could want him to be and and was really outplayed Jared Allen the last two games if we're gonna get into that wormhole but um let's do some negatives a little bit uh I don't know really what negatives you'd have from that game that was a pretty holistic um performance by them but I'll let that that question that tough question I'm full of them tonight uh Nolan what is there anything you didn't like to see from um You know what? It didn't really have anything to do with the actual game that was being played because I don't have too much negative to say. I will talk about the changes in rotation that Kenny Agatson made that we um, briefly touched on earlier. Jean and Musa is all about out of the rotation at this point. And you know what? He has shown defensive effort, and it's been nice to see. And he is only 20 years old, and he was balling last year in Long Island, and I understand all of that. I'm taking that all into consideration. But he's been given, you know, plenty of run this year by Kenny. He's been given a green light. I mean, I don't know how many times I saw a 32-foot pull-up jump shot that made me want to... He Oh, it's just... Every time he did it, it's just (laughs) so depressing. But... I'm out. I'm out on Musa. I'm sorry. This is me formally saying this to the world. I'm 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 just I'm good on well, if, Musa. If, sorry. I'm taking your thunder. If TLC is gonna play like this, Kenny Atkinson has no reason not to give um TLC Musa's old minutes. Because I mean he was essentially the sixth man a few games ago. I don't know if they were trying to showcase him in Karuks. Um, especially with um, you know, late January, uh early February around the corner here. But it's he's played himself out of the rotation entirely. TLC looked really good, utilized his length on dribble drive penetrations. I really like having a lanky athletic player somewhere stashed on your depth chart. And TLC can be that guy. He can be disruptive on the defensive end because he's just, again, so damn long. 
and offensively he you know looked pretty good so i guess again that's not really a negative but jaden musa is gone <laughs> that was really positive <laughs> Well, it started. It started with the Musa negative, and then transitioned into a positive. Yeah, I'm Canadian. So that, you know that, what can that, you do? That's Musa's that career thus far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Second time he doubled down on the, the stereotype. I, I just, I just want to go on record saying I'm, I'm pro Musa. Not necessarily him being in the rotation. I just love that every time he touches the ball, it's a heat Yo, check. Yo, Zach he's Lowe's. Like, he's, Zach. He touches the ball, and he's just hold on. He's just ready to fire. I'm like, I love that. Zach about Lowe's it. piece. Where he talked about him, like his confidence in in New York, just with oh the, yeah, the dating yeah, yeah. Scene. I like, wow, just kiss the hand. That was iconic. I was like, this is why I read this guy. It's fucking unreal. John and John Hold and on. Musa, the human. Daddy, would chapters. you want <laughs> Alonzo Trier and John and Musa as part of the second unit for the Knicks? Just like not not obviously for fit, just for entertainment value. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if either of them would ever give the ball up, but. <laughs> I mean, they, they would be pretty entertaining in terms of just putting shots up. And I, I actually, I, I think Trier, if we're going to compare the two, Trier's better. Um, and I've actually, I've been in and out of him being on the Knicks rotation, but that's for another, for another pod another day. But yeah, Musa is definitely, he definitely has that Alonzo Trier gene where, you know, you come in and you're thinking one thing, you know, how am I scoring? Which it's not the worst thing in the world for an NBA basketball player to have that confidence but uh yeah the stuff with musa i mean we've seen it you know those 32 foot you know just pull-ups out of nowhere and i mean that's why that's why he's dropping out of the rotation now um i i do they hang out i feel like they should hang out musa and i i would say i doubt it but do you think they're at club 50 50 or whatever it's called no definitely not (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much uh, intermingling there is between the Knicks and Nets. I mean, yeah, that's fair. He's unless he has a relationship with KD, because KD has a weird Trier connection. Oh yeah, that's true. So, actually, yeah, and I think KD likes Musa. I think he does too. I mean, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's really not many uh, rivalries across, you know, from player to player necessarily. Yeah, I'm sure it's drawn up. Yeah, I, I hope they're like big legends on on a on Hinge or something like that. Here. Yeah. Um, all right, I don't have many negatives. Uh, personally, uh, I, I th- this was the game that I was out on Pinson. I have been trying to wave the whole Pinson like, you know, he's a great culture guy. I this this is the game where I was like, I just can't I can't do this Pinson thing anymore. I mean, speaking of guys that are. Uh, that that take our that just sort of think this is their time to shine the uh, the the Musa archetype. Our guy Gotham's Reckoning, who is one of my favorite follows on Twitter, uh, he's the fucking best. Um, I he uh, he put up a, a clip of Pinson. Basically, he had 18 seconds on the shot clock, and he like. He, I don't, I don't remember who he isolated against. I, I want to say it was a pretty decent Toronto defender, and he like went in, drove in, and then drove back, <laughs> and then went in one more time and pulled up for like an eighteen footer. It was like somehow fading way off his back foot. I was like, wh- like what, what is this turn to do? That has been the Teo Pinson experience. So this, yeah, I, this was the game where I was like, I can't do any more Teo Pinson Musa. It's been like a month straight of this. I- a month. 
I think that play where guys like they like try and get in, they get you know the defender goes in front of them and then they pull it back and like like they size them up. The Dinwiddie does it all the, the time. I I hate seeing guys do that. Like I don't know, I, it works for Dinwiddie, so like whatever, I, it doesn't bother me that much. But yeah, the the the, the fucking <laughs> Pinson one where you're pulling him back out, that's like, all right, where are we going with this? It's really Dion Waiters like it's just like, oh god, here we go. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Now? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, shout out Dion Waiters. C- keep your head in the game, buddy. Um, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> that is very Dion Waiters like I. Yeah, I, I, it's funny, like, how that I, – I don't think that persona will ever be out of basketball. The, well, like, the heat check this guy. is my time to yeah. shine. Like, no matter where yeah. the game goes, it'll yeah. always oh, that's... be that guy. No matter how much analytics is thrown down your throat, it'll be the guy that, like, will isolate, pull it back, and then you know go for the 18-footer. <laughs> we could be in the most spaced-out version of basketball 50 years in the future, and I know there'll be a guy Theo that's Pinson like that. must drive Kenny Atkinson absolutely off the wall, especially because he's such an analytically inclined coach. He has such a long leash, though, and him, him and Musa, he like, does. what? Like, I just, I want to know what, what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> like, why do they have the longest leashes of any Nets player ever? Like, I hate, I hate the whole D'Lo... I don't, I don't hate the D'Lo Stan tribe, but there is a certain tribe of people that um, anything, anything Kenny Atkinson and, and D'Angelo Russell, I don't know how much you were, uh, how much either of you guys paid attention to this, but it was a real thing last year. Anytime that, that Kenny Atkinson would pull him from games, it would turn into, why does he hate him for taking these shots? That, you know, all this, oh, Kenny Atkinson hates the mid-range. But then you see Pinson pulling up from 18 feet out. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what? I know. It's the darndest thing, man. It makes no sense. Um, do you guys have any more notes from either of these two games? Um, to quickly touch on Pinson like you guys were just talking about. I do. I will say this. I think it is unfair, the situation that he's put in. He's clearly a combo guard. He's not a pass first point. He's kind of played that role out of necessity as a third primary ball handler. It's probably why he didn't get cut and shumped did. Um, but it's it's clearly not working out. And with um, healthy players returning and Kyrie Irving and eventually Karis LeVert, you'd have to think that he's going to be Mr. DMP once again. Um, it, it it was it, it just it, it never really worked out. He never really found rhythm. He never really found consistency. Um, really one track mind on dribble drive penetrations. It's I don't know. Maybe maybe he gets run elsewhere. But as it stands right now, even being a culture guy, I mean Golden State like Kent Bazemore go, and he was the ultimate culture guy, and it worked out pretty well for them. So we'll see what Marks does. It's a good point. Yeah, I, I, one track mind is generous. I don't. <laughs> It's like a point five <laughs> trick. <mind. Yeah. laughs> All right, I'm done shitting on him. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, I, uh, I, uh, let's let's do. First off, speaking on Shumpert, let's have you guys noticed any difference without them, without him playing? Nawabo's played that much better since Shumpert has I been agree. gone. That's that's my the number one takeaway from it. Shump, I mean, not Shump. Nawabo's been mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. You can. Probably make the case for him being the most impactful net in these last two games, especially the Toronto game. A couple of those steals off the inbound and then um, the steal off of the uh, attempted pass to Siakam and then he did the two-hand dunk right in his grill, brought life to the Brooklyn Nets. 
he's that type of player where he's going to play with that infectious passion, get everyone going. He can start runs. I absolutely love the guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, he's. He, I love the. I love any guard that can block shots. It's just. It's the best. I just. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite type of player. It's fun that they have a guy like that. Um, I. I don't remember the last. I guess you can compare like Ronda Hills Jefferson last year to him a little bit, but I think he's a way more dynamic version of that. In that he's a guy that's like really like you. I. I think you said this yesterday. Um, that he's. I don't know if. <laughs> David Nwaba's ever missed in transition. Like you said that obviously facetiously, but it is really funny. Like I really don't know if he ever has. The last... I don't know if there's ever been a greater player in transition than David Nwaba. He's incredible. I don't. He really is. I, I had to look up the stats on Synergy. I was like, wait, is he though? <laughs> I think uh I think David Nwaba is what Kenny Atkinson thought Trevion Graham was gonna be last year. Like just this this rugged defender who can like knock down a few shots here and there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like, I like Nwaba. He's, he's tough. He's tough. I think he, he's going to start getting some more minutes. I think he definitely deserves it. I'm just looking, he played 14 against, um, played 14 against Philly, 17 against Toronto, but yeah, he's not, you can't say anything bad about Nwaba right now. Yeah. He's especially, sorry, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, especially from a guy that had, you know, eight DNPs at the beginning of the year and he had multiple games where he played less than five minutes which is obviously not an ideal situation for an NBA player to be in. But uh, Matt alluded to this on Twitter a while back. He's just stayed ready. So really tip your cat, give him credit. Once his number was called on, he made the absolute best of his minutes. And now he's made himself indispensable. Kenny has to give him minutes moving forward. Yeah, I. so he was their first man off their bench in the Philly game, right? Am I right about this? I believe. I believe so. I yeah, I think he was, but he also he only played. 14. <laughs> it went from Rody to Nawabo, which yeah, like... <laughs> he only played fourteen minutes though, which I I didn't even realize watching the game because I guess maybe you know sometimes a blowout just you go with weirder weirder rotations, other guys get garbage time, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, Nawaba. Give me a second. I want to know what he played in the game against Toronto because it, he like I always I don't know I still feel like he has a short leash. Which is weird because I now he's now he solidified in the rotation, but I'm always so he played 17 minutes against Toronto, and I don't yeah. think it's like a like conditioning thing. Like, <laughs> like I can no. he like in, in both games he was outstanding defensively. I actually think his defense is like the thing that's really started to stand out to me. Um, they've they're first off one of the things I've noticed is that their zone defense has been way more potent the last couple of weeks. It's just worked better. I don't know if they have a better cast of guys. Maybe it's just that they have the right group of guys playing together, essentially. But that's looked really good. And then whenever the the few times that they switch, they don't switch a ton as a team. But when they've switched him, like I the the Al Horford possession stood out to me like Whew. nothing else. I mean, he fronted him like he was a ten time All Star center. I was like, what is going on? It was outstanding, and and Nolan, you threw up a great, a great, really, really good clip of him guarding Tobias Harris on a switch too. It's two very kind different of, players. Yeah, I, I I don't want to say Marcus Smart like because that sounds blasphemy, and the last thing I want to do is enrage Celtics Twitter. But he's kind of played that role for us a bit. He has. I mean, I agree. Like, and I think that that is. I I actually really I think he if if we've learned anything from the team this year, is that he's. I would be that would be the biggest guy I'd invested this offseason from anybody. 
of the, the guys that yeah. they're looking at. That'd be hard to refute. Maybe other than Temple, but it, I, he's got he's on an age curve. But I really are think you, so. Are you include? You're not including Joe Harris in that mix. So okay. Good question. What do we think of the Joe Harris trade rumors? What 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 the hell I don't is like this? Them. What is this? I won't stand for them. I I tend I tend to believe that they're not going to trade him because I, I feel like the, I feel like Zai is going to be okay getting into luxury tax going into this kind of championship mm-hmm. window here. I mean, they just signed Durant, they just signed Irving, they just signed Jordan to these big contracts. I feel like he's going to be okay signing Harris to you know something that he's worth. Obviously, I mean, we don't know exactly what he's going to get on the open market, but I feel like they're not going to trade him away before they even find out what they can get for him i don't know i i can't i just he's been one of the faces of the brooklyn rebuild and like the whole culture organization everything i can't see them getting rid of him uh at least definitely not mid-season if he goes if he ends up going somewhere you know because they pay him a boatload of money maybe but i think i think we'll see him a net at least for the rest of the year well looking at 2020 21 which for a lot of nets fans that's the target year Torian Prince and Joe Harris, they're really going to um they're really going to you really going to see their value shown as catch and shoot perimeter guys when you have a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then like a Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan as a rim runner, because they're going to get plenty of opportunities. And I think that's really where they shine if they haven't shined already enough this year. But yeah, I I I don't see them pulling the plug on Joe Harris because like you said, he's been such a staple of the Brooklyn Nets organization the last, you know, four four seasons now and it's he's been everything they could have asked for and more. He's a, you know, locker room gel guy, team mediator. Um he's he's I, I, I believe and I know that I have a bias, but I really do believe that he is an irreplaceable guy as far as efficiency is considered with uh, his three point shot catch and shoot guy. Um he He's not obviously the best defender, but he does bring in that effort on a nightly basis. He's 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 great. I I, I don't I don't see them doing this. I don't know how you feel, Matt. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it. I I think that that would be. It doesn't make sense to not pay him now, financially speaking, because it's not like you can go out and sign another free agent like Bird bird rights allow you to go do something like this and bring him in and go over the cap um and i think that's kind of been the whole vision behind it is that you pay all these guys out you see who sticks with the two stars and then you move from there so joe harris at least early returns say what you want about i actually think one of the biggest underutilizations for the nets lately has been how they've been using joe harris I don't think that they've necessarily used him correctly, and I actually think that say what you want about Kyrie Irving as a playmaker, which this and that, he did a great job involving Joe Harris. I I just thought he understood if we're on fast break, usually the best shot is to catch that guy in rhythm. Um, I've I've I think every podcast is me telling Danny this was a really good article, but the 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 he had a couple clips last year from article really early on when I first started writing at ESNY and he had this article about um about one of the the many things that Joe Harris does well. I was like, "Really? You were you were the original uh hipster Joe Harris guy. <laughs> How's it feel over there?" Uh it's good. No, it's it's good to have some company. I'll I'll say that much. 
<laughs> he was the original hair the joe harris hipster uh which is like hipster uh hipsterception right there with the beard and everything it's... i was yeah i was on, i was on it i was on it before <laughs> i i can't grow a beard but i was i was on it early just yeah, just well, growing I... in my beard right now <laughs> uh i can't either so you know that's kind of it's a club here three of us uh, cool it's a club uh, but basically anyways so you put this article up talk about how lethal he was when and you watch it in games they'll take the ball at full court and if they give him the ball and he's basically running full sprint, he can just pull up from and it, you know it's not like a twenty-eight foot shot like a like Curry, Trey Young, whoever you want to pick. It's like a like foot on the line, but like he pulls up, he's draining that almost every single time. Um, I thought Kyrie Irving did an incredible job getting him involved there. So I would be shocked, especially with the history that those two have together. Um, I yeah. one of the many things that I got from Joe Harris on Media Day. I didn't interview him personally, but I was in the scrum at least. He talked a lot about Kyrie Irving, a lot about their bond. I would just be shocked if they did anything that goes against who Kyrie and who KD likes, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so and I, I think that's what it's turning into. It's turning into like a social club there, almost <laughs> in Brooklyn, for better or for worse. Could be, yeah. That, I was going to say that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I guess. I guess <laughs> well, we'll see. So. Ooh, well, that's that's the <laughs> so, fun of it. The fates are in KD and Kyrie's hands. Don't you love the NBA, man? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a player's league, man. Say what you want about it. Um, all right, I'm, I, I'm. We'll wrap up the last couple thoughts. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, what? So based on what we've seen recently, okay. When we, when the team adds Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, even. What do you think of that? Do you, like that? Does that? Do you think that that core? is a title winning team or do you think there is anything that needs to be added moved say what you want oh man that's so tough but it's a good question at the same time because it's, it's a topic that's, that's all i can all think about minds um you know what it is they're gonna have to figure out for me it's always been how do you involve karis Levert? is he going to be off the bench is he going to be a um with you know kyrie irving and Kevin Durant amongst the starters. You got three kind of high usage primary ball handlers. How is he going to get his? Is he going to, you know, have to defer and kind of have to play ineffectively with an offense? Or do we stack up the bench kind of in the same similar sense as what the Clippers do with like a Dinwiddie Levert? And if you, you know, bring Temple back next year and you got DeAndre Jordan and, you know, players like Wilson Chandler or um, a player like Wilson Chandler, that's a pretty damn strong second unit to go with the starters. And in my ideal world, the starting five next year would be Kyrie, um, Joe, Torian, Katie, Jared Allen. And then you got that second unit to beef that up. That's a pretty damn strong, you know, nine, 10 man rotation next year. I don't know if Sean Marks makes a move. Um, Obviously, I don't think it would surprise anyone if he were to because he has shown that he can be, you know, pretty ruthless. He could trade uh, Levert. He could trade Dinwiddie. He could trade Torian Prince. Like, we we don't know what the future holds. As it stands right now, I honestly believe that continuity is important and you don't necessarily have to make that move for a, you know, quote-unquote third star or maybe you pick up 
uh, complementary pieces in free agency and you go even further into luxury tax. There's so many intangible, there's so many factors, but basically to come back full circle, what I want to say is I don't believe you have to make any moves, but I can also be talked into, you know, certain individual players that would fit within their system. But you think the nat- the core itself of like Durant, we'll, we'll call it a light core. I'm going to include Joe Harris just for narrative sake. Uh, Joe Harris, I like that I'm listening him first. Joe Harris, Durant, Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, I guess, DeAndre Jordan, just because of salary reasons, mm-hmm. and who am I forgetting? Karis, Dinwiddie, which one did I say? One of the two. But basically, that those seven guys, do you think that's your main core, and you're okay with that? I can I can live with that. If Kenny Atkinson finds a system, obviously that complements each individual player and get them to play strong as a collective unit. I think that unit can do significant damage and maybe play in June of 2021. Oh, lofty expectations from our I got high expectations. Canadian, for him. I got I do I have high expectations for him. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it sounds like a bailout, but like, I really wouldn't be surprised if Markinson, Parkinson, if Marks uh, makes a move here. Uh, it could be Markinson. I don't know. There could be a Spursy thing going on there where it's everybody involved. <laughs> you never know. I, uh, they're, they're a tight knit organization with how they run things. Danny, what do you think? Um, I definitely agree with a lot of what Nolan's saying. And I think that core that we're talking about, I'm going to even narrow that down a little bit more. I think, the last time we saw Kyrie Irving as the second-best player on a team was when he was with the Cavs and they won a championship there. Um, I know there was the you know everything that the fallout with him in Cleveland, and then later the fallout from him in Boston. But you know, just looking at it from an on-court thing, where it's going to be Kevin Durant as your number one option, and then Kyrie Irving as your one B. I mean, I know LeBron James is an incredible player in his own right. But I think if you put Kyrie Irving next to, you know, a top five player in the league, that's going to be a championship contender no matter what, you know, no matter who you have backing them up. Um, and then, you know, just Nolan hit hit the nail on the head with a lot of the guys, you know, <clears throat> already. Like the complimentary pieces are great. Like Joe Harris, Torian Prince, those guys are going to shine and flourish uh, when Durant and Irving are back in the fold. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at the stars. I think, I think they definitely can win. I don't know if it would, it would be something I would put money down on. Cause there are so many good teams out there. Uh, even at the top of the Eastern conference, there are a lot of solid contenders. So I don't know if I would necessarily put money on the nets to win a championship in the next three years or whatever, but, uh, they definitely have the talent to get there. Uh, you know, if, if all things break right for them, uh, I agree. I think that the East is really competitive. I think that we're seeing a stylistic change from what we've seen in years past, uh, where it seems like, at least in in one conference, and it's not the Eastern Conference this year, where there's going to be two below-average teams that are going to make the playoffs in the Western Conference, and maybe only one this year for the East. So I think that's a big stylistic change. I think the East is going to be really competitive. I think it does sort of favor the Nets in the long term unless Milwaukee makes a big move or Philly is able to um, figure it out, I guess, (laughs) whether that be through trade or just uh, playing together. But I do think they have an advantage just in terms of how their talent fits all together. The one thing I would say, they are a team that is very analytically based 
And I'm going to leave everybody with one stat. They right now are shooting 34% from three. That's 25th in the league. I, I know that they're going to add Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving back to the picture. I just feel like they need another shooter. I think they have a lot of guys that need the ball in their hands. And I think that that'll be something if we see in the next two years, it looks a little awkward, a little too much turn-taking. If I was playing GM, and God forbid anybody ever let me GM a team, that would go horribly. I would invest all of my money in guys that are like, 31 and older and there would be no future I'd, I'd basically be like the pistons or something like that <laughs> sorry nick uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> i i uh i would i i would tank the team but i i think i would also look and see okay can we get a three and d guy i'd be robert covington's the classic three yeah. and d guy I, I would like a robert covington on this team it would look Pretty uh, nice. So now I know twenty nine other teams are saying that. Or twenty eight, really. Well, there. I'll be the thing. There I is into. one player that I have um, gone on record saying I really, really want on this squad. I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me. It's I really. It probably. I will. really want to call up Denver and see what it takes to get Gary Harris off that. You love Gary Harris. Yeah, I can't get enough of Gary Harris. I think he'd be especially with Kyrie Irving. And he's so good off ball. And he's such a good defender. He would be, in my perspective, if they were to, you know, pursue that quote-unquote third star, he'd be the perfect complimentary piece to get them to the next level. And I, I, I will die on that hill. So if there is a move to make, it's probably going to have to take Karis LeVert and maybe Capital. I'm not sure. But that would be the player I would want. Brief tangential, I have this weird faith in Gary Harris that he can be, like, an all-star at some season. It's the too. dumbest. Like, I just, I'm, like, convinced that they're that he's just not getting used right. He's so smooth and fluid. It's, I, I just, he's a good athlete, and he can shoot threes and play defense, and I'm just convinced that means you can play basketball on all-star <laughs> level. And he is a, he is a legit, def- he's a legit defender. Oh, he's, wow. He's awesome. He's, he's the best. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. Um, all right. We're going to pivot into random shout-outs. Nolan, I don't know if you've heard the show before. For the 90th time, I, if you haven't, I'm springing <laughs> a, uh, a random question no. on you for the 90th time. If you don't know, for those of you that are either just joining me or for Nolan's sake, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, random shout-outs. We talk about something non-basketball related, and we shout that out because – we like to pretend here on the clean sweep that we have lives outside of basketball. <laughs> so it's a, it's more of a, it's for our own mental sanity here. So I'm gonna let Danny go first. Danny, what you've been thinking over? What's your random shout out? Did you remember to do it this week? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was going to talk about just Vince Carter stuff, but we already got into that a little bit. So I'll just pivot. Um, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to get Chick-fil-A on my way into the next game tomorrow. And oh. I will say that the Chick-fil-A sandwich is like 10 times better than the Popeye's. I know I'm a little late on this, the whole chicken sandwich wars, but Chick-fil-A is better than Popeye's. I even thought, I think Wendy's might have a better spicy chicken sandwich than wow. Popeye's. I'll go, wow. on, I'll go on record with that. Flag on the play. No way. Okay. Okay. First off, the Popeye's sandwich. Did you, how did you get it in the restaurant? Yes. Okay, you got it in the restaurant. It was delivered from hand to hand. <laughs> yep. You got it the freshest. As, as fresh the, as, as fresh as, as, as fresh can be. can be. Oh damn! What did you not like about it? 
I'm like offended here. It wasn't. <laughs> this is our sponsor. It, yeah. Oh shit! I forgot. Popeyes yeah. Chicken. I forgot. Popeyes chickens are our sponsor next week. I was kidding. I was kidding. Um, no, it wasn't. It just wasn't spicy enough for me. Like I, I like the spicy chicken sandwich. The, hmm. the, the Chick Fil A one is is it's just spicier. I don't know. It's better. I like Chick Fil A better. Going on record. Big, uh, with that. Big white guy moment. I think the 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 Popeyes sandwich is really spicy. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't think it was I didn't think it was all that all that spicy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know. I like spicy. I like I like like wings, wings, chicken sandwiches, stuff like that. Like give it to me like spicy, as spicy as you can make it. All right. Well, I disagree with you vehemently, but I mean, we can still do a podcast together. It's yeah, fine, I guess. It's it's, okay. it's cool. I'm actually just... cutting your audio for this whole podcast. It's just it's okay, just me and cool. Nolan. Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> next week, next week I'll have uh, I'll I'll do the Popeyes read that ad read. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. Uh. Nolan, what you got for me? I've given you 20 you seconds to think about this. Is that for the first time in British Columbia? Actually, no, we had it, um, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, and then they just disappeared. We have we had a Popeyes open up in Vancouver. So it's the first time I've ever had it in my entire life. It was like maybe two weeks ago. And I didn't have the chicken sandwich, but I'll say this about their macaroni. And that um, that piece of bread you get, I forget what it's called for the life of me right now. This shit was absolutely cornbread. Absolutely incredible. I mean, for a guy. That has had to obviously um, rely on like KFC and maybe like Church's Chicken for his source of fried chicken. Making that leap to Popeyes, it was literally Long Island, Brooklyn. Like it was, shit was incredible. Oh yeah, I, 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 I'm and I do like Popeyes. Like there, there are other stuff, but the chicken sandwich for me was overhyped. But Nolan, you're you're spot on. Like the like the Ooh. sides and everything like that are Popeyes knocks it out of the park. But I guess that's- I'd say half of them. I don't know. The mac and cheese sucks, and the rice is can't, really bad. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't agree with you. I can't follow you down that road. Oh my man. god, this is this is me getting ostracized <laughs> from my own podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the worst food takes. <laughs> I guess that really wasn't my uh, my shout out. I want to give a shout out. Actually, of all things, I want to give a shout out to my history professor. He uh he gave me a bump half half a percent from the uh, B minus to the B on the final. So like you know what that made my entire Christmas holidays over here. I'm I'm thankful for you. That's that's my shout out. You put me on the spot. That's the best I got for you, Matt and Danny. What's his What's his name? No, nah, that's a you good one. You can lie about that's it. You, you can his name's Alex. Um, for the most part, he was a bit of a dick. Didn't really like him too much. But you know that half percent. Hey, I'll take it. Shout out to you. Hey, that that makes up for a lot. Professor Alex, my man. Popeyes on us, you know? It's our sponsor, so we're sending it to your doorstep, Professor Alex. (laughs) Uh, All right, my shout out. I lied. It's basketball related. It's, 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 okay. It's barely basketball related. Uh, I wanted to shout this out. Uh, I want to shout this out like a couple weeks ago. I didn't really remember to do it, or I guess a week ago, but, um, I did this thing for Hoop Mag, which uh, I don't know if you guys know Josh Eberly. Yeah, 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 I did that actually in the summer so, once. It was great. The round table. Really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's really cool. So I did that, and uh, he tweeted, which was cool. He tweeted out a, my portion on James Harden because I, I think he's a really big James Harden guy. So he uh, 
he yeah he tweeted out my portion and then the the aaron veins stan uh stan account responded to my part <laughs> and did a big long oh, I thing saw that. yeah yeah and I, I i hate to say this but i think this was my i made it moment I like saw it, it wasn't too going to a media day or anything like that i was like wow i have the aaron bain stan account <laughs> responding to something re- correlated with me and i straight up had one of the best nights of my life i was like you know what this is great i'm gonna go buy a cheesecake like it's you know amazing <laughs> you didn't make, it was an interesting take too i forget exactly what you said but it was one of those ones that had me thinking too like it was actually a really good question you posed you know it was a very bill simmonsy yeah type of thing to say where it was like it was a good point, but it was broad enough that I couldn't really get like too much hate on it. Like that's like a it's the Bill Simmons train of thought. He's he's the everything that I I do is is a little bit Bill Simmons related. So uh, yeah, I I that was my shout out. The thank you to the Aaron Bain Stan account for giving me the confidence boost that I never knew I needed. I just I, this is a big long time coming. I mean, like that that account is I I think it's hilarious. It's I don't know who's behind it or anything. But it's I send it to all of my group chats, whether that be on Twitter, uh, texts. I'll send pictures of tweets to my friends individually. Like I just think that's the funniest account. So it was like a weird like crossover moment of like, whoa, I can like do things and have this weird account that nobody really cares about long term. But like it's responding to something I did. I don't know. It's a weird, weird existential moment for me. So that's my. Shout out. That was that was pretty vain, I think, on that one. Usually these are more humble. <laughs> no, that's that that's a good one. Aaron we got I, I love giving love to Aaron Baines. It's great, man. Aaron Baines fan account or whatever his name is. He's he's, no, we do. he's funny. We need more of those accounts, period. They're they're the Gary I think there's a Gary uh Trent, Gary Clark event. Gary Trent, yeah. It, yeah. Mm, Gary, Gary Trent account, but but there's there's not enough fan accounts. We I could do a Musa one. Oh man, do you want to burner that? I feel like that could get. Oh, oh I'm on, I'm on that, do I'm on that. Know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the human heat check. The human... <laughs> it's just the Steph Curry like, hey, you up? Gif over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Musa, I love the guy. I yeah yeah. Shout out Musa's uh, confidence. I I need more Musa's confidence in life. Just no in doubt. general, I I think I'd be a happier person. Obviously, <laughs> um, all right. Do you guys have anything else to shout out before we sign off? All good on my end. No, I'm not gonna let you go. Sh- give yourself two minutes. Plug yourself. Uh, do all things podcast, articles, Twitter, whatever you want to plug. Do it right now. Uh, articles wise, you can find me on Nets Republic. Um, Twitter, you can find me at n underscore j e n s e n nineteen ninety five. I uh, I tweet a lot about Joe Harris. I put out an appreciation tweet. I try to do it at least once a once a week. A lot of analytical stuff. Um, yeah, just I I love talking basketball. And if you want to uh, email me for uh, podcast inquiries, it's uh, n Jensen n j e n s e n nineteen ninety five at outlook Wonderful. Seriously, follow this guy. He's he's a, one of my favorites. Uh, period. In this in this Twitter, he's he's the best. Um, Danny, I don't know. Do you, I'd never let you plug yourself. Plug yourself, Danny. <laughs> Great stuff.
Yeah, so Danny's the farthest made of of uh of any of us. Although no Nolan, we're working. Nolan does a great job. I don't want this to sound like anything that uh, but but uh, Danny is he's way behind the scenes. He gives this like I love reading your stuff. I always have, but especially now that you're like behind the scenes, you give. I think you do a really good job with your reporting and asking questions that are like kind of. Uh, touching on the stuff that we talk about on podcasts and stuff like that so go check him out go check out his articles they're awesome it gives you a real like peel back the layer and and get the uh get the whole full scene of it i guess i don't know if that made sense <laughs> Appreciate that. I, no no it did i i try I, I try to i try to give i try to give a unique perspective of of each game i cover something something a little different like i did a ben simmons thing mm-hmm. earlier this mm-hmm. year i did you know, some Frank Nilakina. I talked to a lot of the French guys that would come through town. So I try and do, you know, a little bit more than just, you know, here's the game, here's what happened. Um, but, you know, it's it's good. Uh, far along, I'm, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing, you know. This is the humblest podcast. I, I don't know if I can do this anymore with you guys. <laughs> yes. I'm signing off. <laughs> I just bragged about a Twitter account tweeting at me, and you guys were just like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing yeah, my man, best. Yeah, man, I'm Canadian, <laughs> so, you know, not much I can do there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm feeding off of Nolan's energy. <laughs> all right, guys, this has been fun. Uh, we let's. I would like to do this all three of us again at some point. I think this is a good trio we got here. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you guys next time. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Peace.